out because they don't want, he don't teach like they want him to teach. The Bible said there's going to be each year you're going to find a person to teach you like you want to be taught that you don't have to change from what you know. Anybody taking notes? Because we are challenged to grow up. In order to grow up, you got to be taught something. Then when you're taught something, just to show your maturity, you got to do what you know. Otherwise, it's a waste of the time of the person teaching you and a waste of your time to be there listening if you're not going to apply what you know. And if you know anything about me, I don't have any time to waste, so y'all better pay attention quick because I'm not going to slow down and wait on you. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. We are enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And my Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, the, to repentance. Father, we pray this morning that your people, whom you have chosen and called from the world into your marvelous light, will now sit in your throne room this morning as you speak and minister to them. I'm just a vessel whom you have chosen to do the speaking, but Lord, it's you that's doing the talking. Let them hear you, Lord, as my mouth is open and your word is hurled out. We pray that we be changed by the hearing, the doing, and the applying of your word, that we may give you the glory for what we know about you and how you teach us to be like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. I thank the praise team for taking their position, their rightful position. I thank you for taking yours. I thank the Lord for watching over you to help you make sure that you stand in your position. For you that are online, I pray that God visits you as he has visited us here. Because where we are gathered, two or three in the midst, he's in the midst. So if no one's in the room but you, you need to call someone, tell them, get them on the phone, or get them on the internet with you so you won't be by yourself. So the Lord will be in the midst with you also. He didn't say he would come to you by yourself. He said in the midst of two or three. Standing on the promises, 2 Peter 3 and 9 lets us know that this is Peter's second time writing a letter. And he writes this the second time because he wants to remind you of what you already know. The first time you hear something don't mean you'll take it to heart and do what you have heard. Sometimes you need to be told something over and over and over. And sometimes someone else can tell you the same thing someone else told you before, before it comes alive in you. So it's not that you are hard of hearing, it's just that you are hard applying what you hear. It's why Peter had to tell us the second time. He said, I'm telling you this to stir up your minds of the things you already know. Stir you up. Now, if you're going to stand on something, you have to be standing for something. If you're going to stand on something, you have to be standing for something. We are too many people standing for the wrong thing, and the wrong thing keeps standing. Am I in church this morning, or where am I? 
Y'all need to learn what standing is. Standing is taking a position. It's taking a, a structural position, a statue. And sometimes we tend to stand and get tired of standing because it seems like what we're standing for ain't coming into fruition. So God is reminding us because you're standing on his promise, don't wait, don't think it's going to not happen because it hadn't happened. You just keep standing until it does happen. It's not up to you to judge the time of God. It's just up to you to judge how long you can stand for God. Bible lets us know don't get weary in well-doing. If you're standing, you can't get tired of standing. I know some jobs are those jobs you stand a long time and you get home and you're aching all over. I'm not talking about your physical posture. I'm talking about your spiritual posture. He never gets tired. He never is weak. He never sleeps. I find myself not being able to sleep when my name is called because God starts standing up in me and I can't lay down. Woke up this morning at 4 o'clock. I done read this over and over. Now he's reading it back to me. Making sure I got what he told me to tell you. I can't talk because I got something to say. I got to talk when God give me something to tell you. God wants you to know that a promise that he has made is what made the whole world. A promise that he has made don't fall apart because we don't see it coming in our time zone. I know we're in a battle, and in battles we lose some people. And it hurts to have a loss. But no life is lost when it's lost in Christ Jesus. He said those that seek to save their life shall lose their life, and those that seek to, to lose their life for my sake shall never lose their life. Stop thinking about the losses that come and go in your life. They have been preserved in Jesus Christ. When I'm growing up, we used to preserve all kind of stuff. Put it up in the cabinet cabinets and eat it later. There's a time to work, there's a time to store, and there's a time to feast on what you have worked for. Now we're in the book of 1 Kings now, chapter 1. 1 Kings, this is our first turn. We're going to deal with the kingdom and the king. Because if you misunderstand our path of life, you won't understand that you're in the king's path and you won't you'll get tired of standing thinking you're in the world and not in the kingdom. You have been transformed from your worldly being self into a new creation. You're no longer of the world, although you are in the world. He wants you to learn how to operate in him in the world and not let operate in the world and trying to be in him. You got to get yourself in your right position. You walk out of here, you're not walking out of here into nothing. You're walking into the future that God has made a path for you. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You're not just haphazardly getting around. You're going where God shows you to go. But when you go, you need to do what he told you to do when you get there. 1 Kings. Pastor, I have to read so much to tell you so little. They put their clock on you. You don't get trying to tell everything. 1 Kings chapter, chapter 1, this is David here getting ready to pass on to his son Solomon that he's going to be a king in his stead. But while David is done got old now, his fourth son, Ananijah, takes it on himself to become king. 
and goes and pronounces himself king and got some people following him to be king. So there's always somebody watching the promised word of God to make sure the word don't fail. So Nathan is David's advisor. Nathan goes and tells Bathsheba, do you know what's happening? Because Bathsheba is not watching. She don't know. She said, no. He said, your, your kingdom is about to be taken and you're about to be slain because Ananijah is going to take over the kingdom. Matter of fact, they have pronounced him king already. He said, but I tell you, this is what we're going to do. You go in and tell the king, David, what's going on. Now, because Nathan was watching and had heard God tell him that Solomon would be king before Solomon was ever born, <laughs> I told you he's the beginning, knowing what's going to happen before it happens. So Nathan already knew that Solomon was going to be king, so he had told David, you can't build me a house, but your son that should be born of you shall build me a house, and his name shall be Solomon. So Nathan tells Bathsheba to go and remind the king of what God has said. Just because you're old and laying down don't mean God has not spoke to you and still some things God has not filled through your life. You need to be able to pass on what God has given you to pass on so God's word don't fail. It's people in the nursing home right now still know what God has told them, so somebody needs to go and visit them that what God has said can continue. The mere fact that I'm standing here right now is a word spoken over my life years ago that I will be on TV. We think TV is the little box you put on the wall, but TV now is the internet, tel cell phone. And right now somebody's looking at me somewhere else. So God's word is alive and is working right now. That's one promise he's told me, but I'm not going to tell you everything he told me because you're not ready for it. But anyway, so Nathan tells Bathsheba to go and let David know what's happening. So David says, uh, just like I have sworn to you that my son Solomon shall be king. And he told Bathsheba, while you're in there talking to the king, reminding him, I'm going to bring this word to him to confirm because the Bible says, let two bear witness. It is so when two bear the same witness. So when you go and tell somebody something, God should have already said it, so you'll bear witness of the truth that's already been told. Don't make something up along the way, and then God try to fix your misaligned words and try to bring a blessing out of your messed up mistake. Too many times we ask God to do something before we, but we already doing what we asking him to do. He's not doing it because we're messing it up before he can fix it. Help me, Lord Jesus. Start the clock over. <laughs> so now, Nathan walks in and confirmed to David what God had already spoken to him about Solomon. So David tells them to bring up Solomon, anoint him, and go make him a king. So Ananijah and his little throne was over there making some noise. But that noise is not a lot of the noise that the king, the real king, knows make. So when they anoint Solomon as king, it's an uproar. It's like the whole earth is at a shout because God's word has come to pass and the people are, are pleased about God. Now it's getting a little older. We're in 1 Kings chapter 3 now, and it's time for David to go and be with the fathers of old. It is appointed for every man to die, so it's time for him to die. But before he dies, he does whatever a father should do. He should pass on to his children what's aligned from God to his children. Don't die on a promise and not speak the word to those that need to come and fulfill what's to be done. We're trying to do that here at Strive, and we're trying to pass on to the youth to continue what we have started. It didn't start with us. It's not going to stop with us. 
It was given to us to pass on to those after us. So now David tells Solomon that God has chosen him to be king. He also tells Solomon that he needs to judge God's people with wisdom and understanding. Now this is before Solomon acts for wisdom and understanding. He's a known father knowing that what he's going to need to watch over God's people before he started leading God's people. Every person of God should operate their lives with wisdom and understanding. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth unbraided not. We need to stop making decisions, hope it turn out right, get wisdom, make the right decision that God's life has lived through us right. You don't have to make dumb mistakes because you've been passed on dumbness. Y'all don't want me to talk to y'all. So now, Solomon acknowledged what David has told him. It's time for him to go and build a house. And in David's latter years, he started collecting the things that Solomon would need to build a house. You know, we want to leave a blessing. I've heard people say, I'm going to die, I'm going to spend all I got. I heard people say, I'm going to save everything, take it with me. I heard people say, I don't know what I'm doing with it. I'm going to run out. I ain't going to have nothing to give nobody. But what one should do is make it better for the one coming after you. Pass on something that you didn't have. That they don't start where you, where you started. They start where you end and go on. So now Solomon has all the resources he needs to start where David stopped. The Lord said to David, it is good that it was in your heart to build me a house, but did I ask anyone before you to do so? So Solomon builds the Lord a house. He's in building for 13 long years. He finally finishes everything. And here's what I want you to get if you don't get nothing else. Before he moved into the place, he dedicated the place to God. He did a prayer of dedication. That prayer of dedication is in 1 Kings chapter 8. He gave a long prayer. The Bible got 66 books. 1 Kings chapter 8 is 66 verses. I know because I read them all. So those verses are permanent in your heart. They should be permanent in your life. Because it's, someone says, if you're going along and mess up, Solomon being a wise man said, Oh, there's none of us that don't have sin, so you will mess up. But he said, if you mess up, and you just so happen to turn back to God, who you have messed up and realized on your own, it's easy to mess up because it's in you to do so. But when you turn back to God, it's easy for God to correct what you messed up and move you right along, not take you back where you started from. So you don't start and stop in God, like I said at the beginning. You start where God starts you because he's seen your finished product when he first looked at you. He has seen his finished product when he first looks at you. He calls you to that finished product, your journey, as Sister Simone told you last time, going up the stairs, that's your end journey. Brother Perry told us before, you've got to be walking towards your journey the whole time. I'm not going to stumble up the stairs like he did because I'm used to going up higher. Y'all can tell him I said that. But your destiny is not where you are. 
Your destiny is always pulling you to go to it. But it seems like it's always moving from you. Because the Lord says, seek him, though he may be, though he may be found. But he is never far from you. That sounds like an oxymoron. Why I need to seek something that's already with me? Because you don't know how much more he has for you until you seek him more. You can't become complacent with what you know, what you have done, and what he has done for you. Solomon's kingdom was going to be grander, if there's such a word, than David's. <laughs> the promise was that David would not fail to have a son sitting on the throne. You do realize they pointed to Jesus. You do realize that God did the Old Testament pointing us to Jesus. It was never about David. David was a symbolic figure of Jesus Christ. David always had a battle to fight. He started with a battle. He had the battle in his home house before he went to the battle because he was ostracized, always out and about by himself. But just because you think you're alone don't mean God's not alone with you. Talking to you, shaping you for the battle that's ahead of you, preparing you long before you see the battle. You know that he took his weapons that he had used out there practicing on the giant that he slew. But he had he never been alone, he would never have the opportunity to practice, so the giant would have easily slaughtered him because he had no confidence in himself. He had no confidence in himself. His confidence was in God. He said, the Lord is on my side. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine that come to defy the armies of the Lord? So now David, kingdom, was the one with battle, always in a battle. He couldn't build God a house because he had too much blood on his hands. But Solomon reign was always at peace. His whole reign was at peace. In fact, it was flourishing. People came to see Solomon, brought him things that he didn't even need. Gave him stuff that he didn't even need. Because when God anointed you, it draws what you need to you. Ah, oh, Jesus, y'all ain't helping me in here. You don't have to labor for what God has given you. You labor for God, and God brings to you what you need. Now, Solomon, before he did the prayer of dedication, he asked the Lord, Who am I? I'm but a child, a little child. How can I lead your people? And this was when God came to him at Gideon. Gideon, Gibeon, and anointed him to be king. He had been told he's going to be king. God came to him and tell him to be king. And he, Solomon said, well, then, I'm just a child. In his dream, the God told him, ask what you will, and it shall be so. This is to teach you how to pray to get the promises flowing your way. So he asked God for what God wanted to give him, wisdom and understanding. He did not ask for length of life. He didn't have no enemies to fight, so he didn't have to ask for no victories. He didn't have to ask for wealth because wealth came with being a king. So when you learn to ask God for what God wants you to have, you shall have what you ask for. When you want God to answer your prayers, you should ask God for what he wants you to have, and your prayers will be answered. Then the things you did not ask for will come with the answered prayer. So what am I trying to tell you? You need to learn how to pray to help someone. God sends you help. You need to learn how to pray to ask to heal someone. God sends you healing. 
You need to learn to ask God to do with you what he wants done through you so God can use you for what he called you to be doing. Stop asking God to talk through you. Ask him to talk to you. Jesus said, I always hear what my father say. Then he go and do what his father showed him to do. You want to do without being instructed. You want to become without being taught. I ain't telling you that no more. God is challenging you to be better than you. Stop looking in the mirror seeing you. Look in the mirror and see Jesus. If you don't see Jesus, you need to go get your Bible and find him. And then when you find him, go look in the mirror and see that y'all look alike. Brother, Brother L, you ask me where I am? I'll tell you where I am. Always a problem will come to prevent the fulfillment of promise. I said always a problem or problems will come to prohibit the promise. The promise is not going away. It's there eternally. The problem is the people that God has promised the promise to go out of the way, circumvent the path that God has called them to, preventing the provisions of the promise coming to pass. You know it did not take 40 years to walk from where they were to where God had promised them to go. But because they kept going around in the other direction and U-turning and backbiting and gossiping and worshiping idols, it took them longer than it should have taken and the journey was a lot longer than it should have been. So stop going around in circles and start going up. You go up by humbling yourself before the Lord. He said he, if you humble yourself, he will exalt you in due time. You want to rise before he is risen you up, raising you up. Amen? So now, 1 Kings chapter 5. I'm sorry, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. Then Solomon woke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt soft sacrifices and made a feast for the Lord. Now, once Solomon had realized that God was with him, and once Solomon realized that his father had told him how he must live his life, walk in the ways of God, obey the commandments of God, yield to the spirit of God, and God will refresh him and bless him, and he will be prosperous. In chapter 4, it talks about the nation was abundantly flown over. It said that the state was for the people and not the people for the state. Meaning this, everything that they worked for, they prospered. The state wasn't taking it. Y'all know how, no matter how much you get a raise, you get to have to pay more. That was not the case. They was increasing because the kingdom was at peace. Before they win something, somebody come and take it. They win something, somebody come and take it. They win some, somebody come and fight. It seemed like every time you take a step forward, you take three steps back. But there needs to come a time in your life that you're standing in position that you don't have to go back no more. When you start standing on the promises, God will fight for you and you continue forward and you don't have to go back. 
Every person of God is supposed to find a place of rest. Cease from your labors and let the labor of God placed in you work through you, work for you, and benefit you in your journey. Work and toil is a fleshly thing. Work and toil is because of the fall of man, not from the benefit of God. When Abraham was in the garden, he was working, but it wasn't a toil for him. When the sin came and fell, everything was a toil. The earth was cursed and everything was a toil. So we work now because of the fall of man, but we should have pleasure in the work because it's a blessing from God. Amen? I'm almost done. Next is lawlessness and the lack of discipline disrupts progress to your promise. Lawlessness and the lack of discipline disrupts progress to your promise. Now, when you decide to follow the Lord, Lord, meaning now he has every right to command what you do, not ask you to do. Your lack of discipline to follow those commands prohibits the promise that he has promised you to come into fruition in your life and through your life. Nothing that happens to you once you give life to Christ is because of you only. God is working all kind of things around and about your life and all those that come and go through your life to make none perish. His whole goal is to win every soul back to himself. He wants to use the struggles of our own lives to win someone's life through your struggles. What our problem is, we want to pray to get out of the struggle and not let God use us, and the people around us watching is going to hell. Y'all don't hear me. We want to get out of everything hard and difficult. We don't want to suffer anything, but he said those that suffer for righteousness sake shall be blessed. Your suffering is not for you. It's for those that see God in you that God can use your life to benefit the Christ life that he gave you to live. Christ suffered ultimately and even died that we might have liberty. That liberty is at a cost. That cost is your sacrifice of self that God can live through yourself and kill yourself while he's living. Take up your cross daily and die, right? You must die to self to live for Christ. You can't be yourself and have self-glory and think God going to live through you. You're useless to God without surrendering to God. Amen? So now, Solomon got this promise. He got peace. I told you to go to 8 before, but I, I, short, I stopped a little quick. We're in 8, verse 14. 1 Kings 8, verse 14. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel, while all the assembly of Israel was standing. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to my father David, and with his hands has fulfilled it, saying, Since the day I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from, my, from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in his heart of my father David to build a temple for the Lord, name of the Lord, God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, Whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. 
Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son who will come from your own body, he shall build the temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled his word which he spoke, and I have filled the position of my father David and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. And I have built the temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. What I want you to get from that is, it's not a physical temple that God is referencing to us. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians lets us know that, 6 and 18. Know you not that you are the temple of the living God and he dwells in you. The Holy Ghost dwells in you. So God was not so much concerned with a physical building. Then nor now. Sorry, Big Blue. But God was, has always been concerned with you and I, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that he may come in and rest, rule, and abide within this temple. Now, it was nothing in the Ark of the Covenant, but it's symbolic of God's presence. It was the tablets of stone that Moses had brought down off Mount Horeb in there. That represents the presence of God. But for us, God said, I no longer need to write my word on tablets and stones before I've written them in your heart. The heart is the center of you. It's inside of you. God has put his word inside of you. You don't have to read your Bible to know God is. You read your Bible that you may know how to, God can use you. But you know that he is whether you ever read the Bible or not. The fact that you know that he is, the challenge is that you must serve him with the knowledge of him that you have. There's servant, servanthood comes through your relationship. Relationship comes through your submission to his law, to his ways, to his commands, to his unctions, to his leadings, to his guidance. When you're off course, he will send someone to warn you that you're off course. He sent Nathan to David. <laughs> he sent Nathan and Bathsheba to David to tell him that the kingdom was getting off course. Thanks be to God, he sent Jesus to us to let us know we're getting off course. Because Jesus came down through the generations of David. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'm almost done. My clock is still running. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. This kingdom that you and I now sit in has been fought over forever. It started in the battle in heaven when the enemy wanted to rule instead of God. It was kicked out because pride was found in him. Then when God brought his children out of Israel and they wanted a king and be like other nations, the first king was rejected because he would not obey. Then God promised David that he would not fail to have a man, a son of him, to sit on the kingdom forever. Although Solomon, being extraordinarily wise, did mess up many times. I mean, many times. As do you and I. So we're not going to point a finger at Solomon. We're going to look in the mirror this time and see us. Because we don't always get it right. But because we don't always get it right, God had someone in place, Jesus Christ, 
that his kingdom should never fail no matter how many times his subjects mess it up. The promise is still yet standing. We are standing in the promise. The promise is still yet standing, and we are standing in the promise, standing on the promise. And that promise is this, that you will reign one day with the Lord. David's going to get up one day. Solomon's going to get up one day, and they're going to reign with the Lord. But not only is Solomon, David, and Moses, and Abraham, and Jacob, and Isaac, and Luke, and John, and Philip going to get up one day. Cliff's going to get up one day, too. And you ought to put your name there. You're going to get up one day, too, and reign with the Lord, because if you live for him and die for him, you shall live for him forevermore. So this king, Dave, I mean Jesus, I'm in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. You know the story, to a virgin named Mary, betrothed to Joseph. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And consider what manner of greetings is this. God don't have to greet you like you want to be greeted. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, who? David. Now, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise that David will have a son sitting on his throne forever. God has fulfilled his promise with David, Solomon, you and I, because of Jesus. Jesus wants us standing on that promise. Standing is a word of action. I was in the military for 20 years, and we used to have to stand watches. The worst duty assignment ever. After you've worked all day, you got to stand and watch while others sleep. You get caught sleeping on watch, first you could go to captain's mats, get busted the rank, money taken from you, even do brig time. No, that never happened to me, but I never got caught. I didn't say I didn't go to sleep. I said never got caught. They walk up on you, ask you, are you sleeping? Of course you say no. No fool going to admit they sleeping to get punished. That's bringing destruction on yourself. But Jesus said, told us to watch and pray. You got to be standing your watch. You don't know the, what hour the thief is going to come in and take what you've been standing for. It don't take long for the enemy to steal what you've been standing for and discourage you so much you want to throw the towel in. Some people have so many tragedies, so many hardships, so much pain, so much agony that they just want to throw the towel in. Somebody needs to be standing in watch, standing in the gap for them to encourage them when it seems like all hell is falling out. If no one's watching, everybody will quit. But Peter's reminding us that you got to stay stirred up to serve this God we serve. He's done too much for you to be sleeping on watch. Not standing your position. Your position is right in right standing with the Father. In right standing with the Father. 
So that means there is a standing on the wrong side. You can still be standing, but you're standing in the wrong side, in the wrong place, at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing. You don't want to get caught standing on the wrong side at the wrong time. It's examples in the Bible where Jesus came at midnight. All the virgins had lamps, had oil, but some were found standing outside when they should have been inside because they went to get something that they should have had all the time. Oh, Jesus. You should be on your way to heaven, not sidetracked, not derailed, not turning back as Jaquees told us, not down there starting. And you've been starting for 40 years. You need to be somewhere higher than where you began, and your goal should be going up all the time, not standing still, wanting somebody to help you go up, but you should always be going up because God has always drawn you closer. You don't get a word because you don't seek him for a word, and then when he speaks, you don't hear what you want, so you, don't, you disregard that. God is always talking. The Spirit is always moving. It seems like we're not in line with the Spirit because God wants us to hear, and we over here standing in the wrong place, but yet saying to others, we're standing for God, gossiping over there. I'm standing for God, backbiting over there. I'm standing for God, not showing love nowhere. You can't be doing both. The Bible lets us know you can't serve two masters. One you will hate and one you will, will love. We just read it upstairs, choose this day who you will serve, the living God or yourself, or worse, someone else. First huh. Corinthians 6 18 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, which you have of God, and not of your own. So now, before I take my seat, God will have you to know this. He's watching over his promise to see if his promise keepers will keep what he gave them. God keep covenant for a thousand generations. He don't change because you change. He don't change you to make you like him. He changed situations to provoke you to get like him. So you can come through war like David, or you can come through peace like Solomon. But you got to come. I said you got to come. Because he suffered long that none should perish. We're back in our text now, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God is long-suffering that none should perish. His goal is not to save those that are saved. His goal is those that are saved to go and reach the lost. And you need to be standing watch for those that don't know how to stand for God. Teaching them the ways of God by your lifestyle, by your manner, by your gestures, by your character. And then when you get weak in that, go and humble yourself that God refreshes you. Let Peter remind you that you got what's in you that God can use through you. You're not lacking a gift. You're not lacking a talent. You're not lacking a word. All that has already been given. What you're lacking is doing with what God gave you to be doing with. If you get to doing and pour out, he'll pour in. 
you're not doing, he's not going to pull on what's not being used. God has told every one of us something. I said God has told every one of us something. That something is needed in the body. That something is lacking and the body is not moving because that someone or those someones are not doing that something God told them to be doing. When you repent this day for not doing what God told you to do whatever day, God going to speak that to you again. I said when you repent this day and not because you have not been doing what God told you to do that day, God going to speak to you again about that. This time, because you have been told to start standing on the promise, which means you're going to act on what he tells you, then God can move the promises towards you and fulfill what he has told you that will happen for you. Stop praying selfish prayers and start praying what God wants to be done, and he'll use you to do it. Stand to your feet. Look around and see the faces in here. I want you to see somebody. And what you need to see in their face is that they're going to start standing like they're standing right now. Physically standing, but spiritually standing at the same time. And as you are a watchman, not to judge their stand, but to encourage them to keep standing. We don't come here to ridicule, critique, put down. Beat down. We can come here to encourage you to do what God has called you to be doing. And when we see you doing less than that, we come to put our arms around you to encourage you to do better than what you're doing. None of us, self-included, has done our very best for God ever. I said none of us, self-included, has done our best for God ever. There's still yet some best to be done. God expects us to start doing our best. We give our best to a lot of things, but we give God whatever is left over. I want you to repent of that leftover given to God and give leftovers to the leftovers. And start giving God your best that he has something to flow over to others. Do y'all hear the God talking to you? I'm going to be able to sleep tonight because I got this off of my chest. You need to take to heart what God has told you. He expects more from you. More is the requirement. More is the expectation. The more you do for the Lord, the more he has for you to do, but the more he equips you to get it done. You won't get tired working for the Lord. They asked Jesus, I want you to keep standing, I want you to feel it. They asked Jesus, Aren't you hungry? Aren't you tired? Aren't you weary? He instantly said, my meat is to do the will of my father. He hadn't eaten just like they hadn't eaten. But they needed substance from the earth. He was bringing substance from heaven. And when he gives you substance from heaven, it sustains you until you need substance again. It's in your Bible. Substance from heaven don't run out. It's continuous because God is not ending. He's faithful to the end. Bow your heads for a moment and reflect. 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 
See your life. See when you gave your life to Christ. See some of your battles. Remind yourself of your own battle scars. And thank the Lord for where he has brought you from, but where he's taking you to. And in the meantime, in the meantime, you're going to keep standing on his promise. You can open your eyes and take your seat. I have a few appeals. The first one is if you are not saved, you are unsure where to stand and how to stand. God has made it very clear to us that standing is a requirement. It's the expectation that he has on every person on the planet. He wants everyone to be saved. He's taken forever, seemed like in our lives. The promise of God's coming, Jesus' coming, has been foretold long before we arrived. And they was wondering how come it's not happened. And Peter lets us know that God is not slack on his promises, as some would think. But he's long-suffering, waiting on us to invite others to come that none will be lost. So if you haven't given your life to Christ, God is waiting on you. He wants you to surrender to him that he can bring you into the promised land and let the promises come into your land and live in you and provoke you to do what God will have you to do for your life. If there's one here that's not saved or you're online and not saved and you want to give your life to Christ, please acknowledge by raising your hand in the building. And if you're online, please call the number or send a text. Let someone know that God has touched your heart and you want to surrender your life to him. I see no hands in the building. I can't see your hands on the internet, so that's on you to make that connection. If you don't have a church home, I said before, this is a teaching ministry. We don't come here to condemn no one. We come in to inspire everyone. And we inspire you to go out to inspire someone else that everyone might be inspired by God. If you don't have a church home, I'll attest to you now, you won't find any place any better than Striving for Perfection Ministries. I looked around for several years before I came here. But I've been here a few years now, and I, I have no intentions of ever leaving unless God called me to go somewhere else. That would be the only reason I leave. So I invite you to partake of this ministry and the things of this ministry and the word that God shares to the believers and the hearers in this ministry and the doers of this ministry. If you don't have a church home, please signify. and want, If you want this to be your home, please signify by raising your hand. If you're online, do the same thing. Contact us and we'll reach out to you and make sure you become a part. It's prayer time. I want you to stand and pray this with me, please. And I want heaven to hear your words as you repeat these words. Lord, I'm sorry. I don't hear you. I know heaven can't. Lord, I'm sorry. I know that you know I come short more than I should. But I ask you now to forgive me of my shortness, of my intentional shortness, and those that happen unawares to me. Bring me to my proper place, standing now and forevermore on your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you.